0: communication social media promotion and business leadership let's do it this is the author to authority podcast and now your host the extraordinary word ninja kim thompson pinder
1: welcome to the author to authority podcast and if you've ever wondered about personal branding and how that could make a difference in your business, or does it create a bit? Does it make a difference in your business? Then today's episode is for you. I'm so happy to welcome Chase Neely. He is the co founder and pr- president of Leverage Brands. By trade and training, Chase is an intellectual property attorney. So, you know, this man knows the stuff because. <laughs> If he gets it wrong, he gets sued. That's so right. anyway, <laughs> and he helps Grammy award-winning songwriters, producers, New York Times best-selling authors, and other creative professionals at the intersection between their business and their art. Welcome to the show, Chase.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a privilege to be here.
1: So let's get right into it. I'm just I'm just going to ask you straight out: Does personal branding make a difference in your business?
2: Oh, 100%. And I think especially for authors is an incredibly valuable asset. And we have helped really hundreds of authors kind of narrow in on exactly how that's going to help them push their brand forward, push their book forward, get it to more people, more readers. And we've done that across the gamut from people who are just starting out to people who've written uh, hundreds of books. I say that not an exaggeration. One of our core clients is Jerry Jenkins, who's one of the premier writing coaches online. And he's written over 200 and over 205. I think he's at 209 last count published books. So it's incredibly valuable. It's incredibly important. If I can just overstate it one more time, I think it's your best asset as an author.
1: Well, I can honestly say I have read at least one of Jerry Jenkins series. So highly recommend his books. And and I agree. What most people don't realize, and an audience, I'm I'm going to release something new to you that's going to be coming out around now, and I'll make it more official. I will have a whole podcast uh, uh, episode on it. But you know, one of the things I teach is about you have to first create a book that converts readers and the clients, but secondly, you've got to scale that book into your business so that it and get it into the right people's hands, so that it actually creates business for you. That's
2: right. That's 100% right, Kim. I'm glad you said that. And it's the more that we see it take effect. And the more that we see authors really lean into the personal platform, Mm -hmm. even to establish their expertise, we just see the huge benefits that it can generate. I couldn't agree with you more. Chase, let's
1: let's talk a little bit about you want to share a little bit of your story. And how did you become an intellectual property attorney?
2: Yeah, I think it's just the typical path, Kim. That's what I tell everybody, just the straight down the middle (laughs) typical path. I went to college at Belmont University as a classical voice major. And as voice majors do, you know, I went straight to law school after that because I really saw my friends at that time, they were starting to receive deals that I knew were bad, but I didn't know how to tell them why they were bad. And so I just said, well, I guess I'll go to law school and figure this out for them. And so I did that. I've been able to help my friends along the way. And then right out of law school, when I passed the bar exam, I got a LinkedIn message to be a social media expert for an author management company. And I went in and I said, I can do your legal work as well. within six months, I had replaced the two outside firms that they were using in addition to running social media. And by the end of that, I was the general counsel and chief marketing officer, which is not a typical path. (laughs) <laughs> I said that in jest, right? That's not that's not normal, but it's, it's been the way that I've been able to work with authors and speakers over the last really 11 years alongside the co-founder of my business, David, who's been doing it for even longer. He was a speaker's agent at Premier Speakers Bureau. And then in 2018, we started Leverage Brands to help people reach as many people as possible online with their message.
1: Love it. I love it. So audience, I want I want to let you know that if you want to know how to tell a good business story, go back and analyze what Chase just did. Because your business story is part of your brand. It's how you create that relationship. So first he intrigued us by saying, oh, I took a traditional path. And then as soon as you started talking, yeah, we knew it wasn't a traditional path. And then you brought the humor in by saying, yeah, it wasn't a traditional path. So audience, go back and study what he just did, because that is an excellent example of how you explain how you got into doing what you do. And I highly encourage you, audience, if you're creating a personal brand, you must have a business
2: story. So true. And Kim, I didn't know we were going to reveal all the secrets of how we were doing what we were doing, but I love it. Because here's the thing. The only way that I can tell that story in an intriguing fashion is that I've told it so many times. Yeah. And so one of the things you have to do is practice that story over and over again. We tell our brands that we work with, we want you to get to one sentence where you can do an elevator pitch for your book or a premise pitch for your book. We want you to do that for your brand as well. And so what we have done with our company is we've made our brand name the sentence. We leverage brands. That's what we do. We're amplifying that message. And I'd encourage you to get your sentence to where you can give a two minute version or you can give a two second version to get in front of people that you can help and that can become clients.
1: You know what? And it's as simple as that. That's, that's the starting place. And I remember back, I think it was about 2017. I had started just ghost racing, ghost writing in 2015. By 2016, I started a publishing company because I had so much business coming in By 2017, I started to realize that I really needed to be able to explain my business. And so that's where Author to Authority came from. That's where the extraordinary word ninja came from. I started developing my story called The Power of Words, where I explained how I was told at seven years old that I shouldn't write because I wasn't a good writer to becoming a publisher. And all of those things started back in 2017. We're now in 2023. And for the past two or three years, I've realized that we are more than a publishing company because it's not the goal. The end goal is not to publish the book. The end goal is to create a book that converts readers into clients and then use that book. And so Actually, this epiphany of of the create and scale and audience, I'm just going to give you, not going to give you a preview yet, but it's coming soon. So just think of the two words, create and scale. Concept, just about almost two weeks ago now. And it was this epiphany, this brain dump, this moment of genius. I can't say I've had too many extreme moments of, you know, personal genius. This was one of them. And I think sometimes... We just need a place to start and it grows and it develops as it goes along. Cause like I'm, well, it goes right in 2015. I'm eight years in and now some of the things are finally clicking together. That's
2: right. It's like doing a puzzle, right? I mean, you look down and you had all the pieces the whole time, but then you put them together and it makes the picture on the box and you're like, oh, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> like you're putting together a puzzle, but you don't have the box. That's, that's building a company or building any brand.
1: True. True. Chase, I know you've come prepared today to talk about personal branding, so I'm going to let you loose for a while to share what you have prepared for the audience today.
2: Yeah, I think it's so critical. We, we've talked a little bit already about that one sentence, and I think that's a great starting place to build your personal brand from, and I think that really is made up of two other parts. So you have your core message, that one sentence, but you also have your core customer and you have your core values. Yes. Anytime we're advising a a business, a brand, an author, we want them to start with why and how they do what they do. Right. And that's what those core values are. It's the guardrails that keep you on the right path. It tells you what you will do. It tells you what you won't do, but it keeps you moving in the right direction. For leverage brands, we have four. It's faith and family first. That just tells our employees, hey, we know that this is a part of what you do. This is not who you are. Your mm-hmm. faith and your family come first. The second thing is we want to always be learning. Yeah. We're in digital marketing, everything changes every day. Is TikTok going to be a thing in 10 years? Who knows? But it's a thing today. We got to know it. And we got to know what's coming down the road. So always be learning. And then the third thing is to share that expertise. It's what I'm doing here, but it's mm-hmm. also what we do throughout our conversations with authors and brands. And then finally, we want to have a high expectation and a healthy tension. You don't get to work with the brands we've gotten to work with without having a high expectation for the product that you're creating, the work product, right? The deliverables. So we have that, but we also have a healthy tension. And that just means that when it's not up to our standards, we're willing to have the conversation to say, this isn't right yet. And we hold ourselves to that. It's an accountability piece. And so once you have those core values, you can start to define your core message and to whom you're talking, that core customer. And so you bring it all together into this package that's almost like a proposal for your brand. You have a proposal for your book, but you have this proposal for your brand that really lets you tell people about what you do and why you do it. And I think in today's age, that authenticity and getting down to the why you do what you do is critical to ensure that you can move your brand as far as possible. And if you don't do that legwork, you might think you're doing it for one reason, but then you turn around one day and you say, "Ah, that's not why I was doing it. This isn't the brand I wanted to build," and you're stuck with it. So we want to make sure that you get into that uh, that mind work, really that that mindset work at the very beginning.
1: And what you just laid out there, you know, if you're not an author yet and you're thinking about your book, these things that Chase talked about, these are sort of the foundational things in your business in your branding they become the foundation for your book because all of these things you build upon to create the brand write the book that represents the brand and then you know getting your brand out there so when you think through you know your values in that and chase you are so correct if you're going to create a brand you have to make sure that this brand truly represents yourself because like you said once you've got it set in place it's extremely hard to change you know there may have been a time before the internet when you could change brands and maybe only people in your local area would know but now you know like i've i'm slowly getting it done but When I started writing books back in 2011, 2012, I was in network marketing. That's how I earned extra money. And so I wrote books about network marketing. And it's funny, just up till probably this year, if you Googled my name, those books would come up first, even though it's not something I've done in like 10 years. But because that was the first things, the first books I had written, They seem to follow me around. I actually had to remove them off of Amazon to get my Google better. Yeah. Because I didn't, I don't sell a lot of those books anymore, but I had to do it so that my Google would reflect who I truly was as opposed to who I was like 10, 11 years ago.
2: That's right. And I think that as we have grown up professionally in the internet age, there's a huge opportunity for those things to just kind of linger in the background. And so we talk all the time about unifying your platform. It's, yeah. it's a step that's necessary because you are you. I mean, the same Kim who wrote that book is the same Kim today. You've learned more, you're wiser, you've gone through different things, but it's still the same Kim. The question is, what's the thread that unites those things? Yes. And that's, we we recently launched a product where we are talking to dozens of authors and the ones who have had success in previous careers which I'm sure a lot of your audience is in that same boat. They want to just ditch that and leave it behind. But no, that's a crucial part of who you are and who you've been. Yeah. So you bring that alongside of you, you work it to your why. And once you get it to your why, you realize, oh, I'm the same person there that I am today. It's <laughs> why I've been able to do marketing yeah. and legal work because at the core, it's the same. I want to help creative people reach their full potential. Yeah, And if I can get that direct... I can pull from both sides of that to make really a bigger brand than what it would have been previously.
1: You know, I wouldn't be here today without those many years experience in network marketing and the the things that I learned that helped me when I started the publishing company. So right. for me, it's not that I I'm ashamed of it or anything. It was just I worked with a Google specialist and he's like, Kim, we've got to get those like, I don't care if the books are there. It's just it was the first thing. That's
2: right. It was the, it's first the age. The yeah, it's the age of the book, right?
1: So, yeah. you know, people, potential clients would be like, oh, you're in network marketing. No, I'm not network marketing. Well, when I Googled your name.
2: <laughs> I have been in network marketing. Let I me tell was. you how that helped me do what I'm doing now. Um. Uh. Well, i just I, lost I, my train of thought there i was going to ask you a question, so i'll let you go ahead i'll admit something to you as well i had to remove some videos of my college music so i understand my myspace from college is not up anymore for the same reason i didn't want people to see that as the first thing um i think it's it's crucial to just consistently monitor that right and it yeah. becomes hard when you're doing the writing and you're doing the brand building. And you're to to look back and measure those things, but you have to do it.
1: Well, you know, I think that's where you schedule in, you know, maybe three times a year, where you just review your brand and what people are seeing and and all the different pieces, because it, it does grow. It does kind of some points it does get unmanageable and do hit a point eventually where you have to bring in professionals to help you because it's just too big to be able to do it on your own but there's nothing stopping you if if you're smaller you're newer whatever just google your name see what comes up i mean google is the big monster and i can tell you right now when potential clients are checking you out and yes they check you out if they want to work with you they research you they google your name and so there are ways to control what you see there. And if you go back to episode four thirty-three, just a few of them back, and then back again into the summer, you'll see Jason Barnard's name. He's our one of our Google specialists that come on the show. He talks about that. So, you know, scan back in the in the YouTube thumb playlist. Or back on your podcast app and find the episodes with Jason Barnard because he talks more about Google and how to how to change what Google sees so that you can determine what you want potential people to see. And I That's think the right. same with social media too. Like, even if you're not a big social media person, you should have at least strong profiles on the social media and a little bit of activity. Like, I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Chase?
2: I think that it's, uh, the challenge is brands get distracted by social media. And so you're always just a little hesitant to say, be on social media instead of writing a great book or instead of having a great book written in a platform, et cetera. But you have to have consistency. That's That's the name of the game. So if you have one profile that tells that you're a singer songwriter and one profile that says you're a musician and one profile that says <laughs> you're a business executive, people aren't going to know who you are. Because they're going to click around to all these things as they're researching you to your point, Kim. And so you want to have that brand consistency across all platforms, updated mm-hmm. pictures. And then I would have an intentional focus on being active somewhere. You don't have to be yeah. active everywhere, but be active somewhere so that they can know, oh, well, he hasn't tweeted or Xed. I, I guess I don't know what we're calling that today <laughs> after, the, after the rebrand. He hasn't Xed in three years. But look, their Facebook page is pretty active. So I'll go see what's going on over there. But you want to be active somewhere. You don't have to be active everywhere.
1: Just as a side note, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought the name back to Twitter.
2: Listen, okay. So I, Kim, this is, I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory or what, but you know how IHOP rebranded to IHOB for a minute? Do you remember mm-hmm. that? It was like four years ago, International House of Burgers. They were launching their new burger line and they rebranded. And then they went back to IHOP a few months later. I'm not saying. I'm just saying it's a great move. Get all the publicity. You get everything going on. And then you go back to the name that got you there. Yeah, because, like, tweet is so easy. Like, it's just. But now you're
1: like, I axed? Like, it doesn't.
2: (laughs) The thing that gets me, I don't know if you've been on the platform in a minute, but there's an X button in the top left corner. So I always click that to exit out. But it's really just the homepage. So it's. (laughs) It's an interesting user experience, um, but we're talking about it. So I guess mission accomplished there. Here we are. Yeah, that would
1: be interesting. No, I actually haven't been on it. I was never a big Twitter person. Just spent a fair amount of time on Facebook actually, but I had to cut back on social media because I just was trying to be in too many places. So my preferred place is LinkedIn. That's where I call home and most of my stuff goes, but we're just going to change directions in a minute but audience we are going to go to a very quick ad break and in the ad I'm going to share with you one of the new free resources that I am offering that is going to help you create and skill your book so that you can get it into the right readers hands.
0: One of the keys to becoming an author is hiring the right publisher. It's the difference between having a book that converts readers into clients and one that sits unused on a shelf. Check out seven questions to ask before hiring a publisher. Get it free at authortoauthority.com slash publisher.
1: Welcome back. Chase, you are an author. So first of all, Tell us a bit about your book, and I'm going to ask you the question. The audience knows what's coming next, the question I ask every author that comes on the show.
2: Well, I will tell you that it's unintentional that I was an author. My business partner and I were creating a marketing class for a creative writing program for a university, and we started looking at all the books that were out there, and we didn't love any of them. And so we built this book, wrote this book alongside of the creation of that course, It's called Every Step Counts. It's right there above my shoulder. And it's it's been a joy to see people's responses to it. One of the reviews on Amazon says it reads like a textbook. Well, yeah, it was written for a course. I appreciate that response. Thank you. But we've also had some great feedback and some good constructive criticism as well. So it's been interesting to go from helping authors to being an author and kind of feeling Mm -hmm. the feelings associated with that. But it's been it's been a lot of fun.
1: So Chase, I'm going to ask you the question, what was the good, the bad and the ugly about writing and publishing that book?
2: So I was tasked with writing this after I had had a foot surgery. And so I was sitting in my blue reclining chair with my laptop in my, you know, under my fingers, just trying to get out that, you know, I think it ended up being about 40,000 words. So because it's a, you know, nonfiction book, we're able to, for that 40,000 word range, but you, you write. And at some point in the middle, you get to the point of of saying, I don't think I have anything else to say, or at least <laughs> nothing that's valuable. You know, I think I've said it all and you just keep adding and keep adding. But um, the thing that's been interesting is we, like I said, we work with a lot of authors and I have always wondered why they were so um, personally attached to the work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so for me, the thing that's been interesting is that now I get it. Yes, I'm personally attached to the words. I think that they're really good. I really feel strongly about them. And when somebody says, almost like your baby. Yeah, it really is. And when somebody says something about it that isn't the best, like I want them to say, this is the smartest, most excellent child that I've ever met, you know? And when they don't say that, I. It, child is thought
1: leader material. That's right.
2: I get a little hurt. My feelings get a little hurt. So that's been an interesting, uh, interesting part. But I. I don't know, Kim, how people do it alone when they don't have the background that we had coming into it. Cause we have done books for other people, not writing it necessarily, but you know, setting it up, getting the cover, all of those things. And so when you don't have that context, man, it's a overwhelming task to jump into. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and that's the thing. Like people sometimes they think, okay, I'm just gonna sit down, and I'm gonna write this thing. And like you said. You are so typical. You hit the middle, middle point of the book and you go, what's left? I don't have anything left. <laughs> every client of ours, and I mean, we're ghostwriting their books, right? So just about every client, we hit about the middle of the book and we have to take a short break. Because the reality of the book and, and the feeling of overwhelm and am I really doing this? Do I have enough to put into a book? It just kind of smacks them, you know, right smack dab in between the eyeballs. And so we take a little break. I give them a little bit of time. We go back and we review the first half of the book to give them a bit of a break. But it's funny. One of the things my clients say to me all the time, Kim, you like pull so much out of me. I didn't even know it was in there. And I'm like, yep, that's why I told you we could do your book because I knew I could get it out of you. I that's made sure idea. you had it in your first and now now it's coming out. And so good. Yeah, and if you've never written a book before, it's like anything else. It's it's a high-level skill to write a book that is going to be engaging and and really take you to the level of thought leadership. So it's not something that you should do alone. Like I've had a lot of people say to me, "Oh, well, I people told me I was a good writer when I was in high school." Okay. So you can put together some sentences, maybe a good blog post. Book is a whole different. It's a whole different thing. So thank you for saying that because, because it if you're going to do it, okay. Now I am talking as a publisher here, okay? right? And I'm hoping maybe some of the some of you might work with me, but that's not my reason for saying this. If you really want to write the best book the first time out, get help. And get support doing it.
2: There are things that we say, Kim, to make a sale. And there are things that we say because they're true. That one's just yep. true. <laughs> I don't think we wouldn't have made it to the end, except that we had a deadline for the course, right? We would have just kind of gotten to the middle and said, ah, we did it. We did our best. I guess we'll go with this and just get this out there. But because we had the deadline, we had a forcing function. And without that and without help, kind of up a creek.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got a couple of minutes left, Chase. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to share a couple of closing thoughts with us today.
2: I think that it's, we've talked about the why, and that's such an important piece of what you're doing as you're trying to build from author to authority. You know, I think that that's such a crucial piece of what you're doing. And the next piece, the kind of flip side of that coin is perseverance. And so I actually, in my book here, and I, and a lot of the times that I've been able to be interviewed here as well, you have a message that needs to get out there. Yes. firmly believe the best song that ever has been written is on somebody's hard drive. The best book is in somebody's drawer. The best piece of art is maybe hidden in somebody's closet because they don't have the perseverance to just continue to move forward and get that thing out there. It's an incredibly arduous process. And Kim can speak to this, even with help, it's an incredibly arduous process process. Mm -hmm. But your message is worth it. You were given this message for a reason. We need it. The world, maybe not me specifically, but the world needs it. I might need it. Who knows? So persevere, get it out there. I love to tell the story of an artist of mine who decided he was going to start off on his own solo act. Uh, He'd been playing background musician for bands that you've heard of. He decides to go on the road by himself. And I remember getting a text from when he went to a show in New York that he had booked for himself at a bar. It was the first snowstorm of the winter in New York. And he showed up and it was him and 10 of his best friends. (laughs) I say best friends because they met that night and they spent two hours together. So they really got to know one another. But now he's signed to a major label. He has millions and millions of views across all platforms. And it's only because he decided he wasn't going to give up. He was going to do it. It's not that he was any more talented or more special than anybody else. It's not that I'm any more talented or more special than anybody else. We just won't give up. So don't give up. Persevere. That's my that's my closing message for these folks.
1: <laughs> I love it. Um, a mentor that I, I used to have, he shared the story once of a, a friend of his. And he's he's in the publishing field kind of as well. And he shared a story about a friend of his, and he had been encouraging her for years and years and years to write her book, write her story, write her message because it was so strong and it was so powerful. And she kept putting it off, and she kept putting it off. And finally, one day, she says to him, "She says, you know, I I think I'm just about ready to start that book. You know, why don't you?" Because they were friends, so she said, "You know, why don't you come over?" It was a couple of days later and see me and let's get the book started. And the day before he went over, she was killed in a car crash and her story was never told. So audience, don't keep putting it off. Don't keep putting it off because something I feel really strongly about and and Chase, you just said this was your message is there for someone. Right, You were put on this earth to create change in someone's life. And by having your book, you will create change in people's life long after you are gone. Mm-hmm. Long after your ability to speak the words, your, your book will speak the words for you. So, you know what? Just start, start with what Chase said. Get those foundational pieces in place first. Go back, review this episode, take some notes. And then you can use that as a foundation. So Chase, I think this has been an amazing, wonderful conversation. How can people connect with you if they've enjoyed this today?
2: Well, I've set up some time and I appreciate you saying that, Kim, because it it has been a great time together. Just talking about what makes an author's brand and having your wisdom added to it as well is incredible. These people have a great resource. I hope they see that. If you want to find me, I'm at leveragebrands.co, not .com, slash pod. And I've actually opened up some time to talk to people. So leveragebrands.co slash pod.
1: That is awesome. And audience, if you have enjoyed today's conversation, take a look at your screen if you're on YouTube, and there'll be a thumbnail somewhere on the screen here. And check out episode 369, Branding for High Dollar Sales with Joanna White where we take the foundation we've laid today and she takes it to the next level so thank you so much for being a part of the author to authority podcast for listening in today and we'll see you on the very next episode bye now
0: you've been listening to the author to authority podcast The Extraordinary Word Ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business.